Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire. It is 12.30 this morning. Or it's afternoon, I guess. <laughs> um, it is crazy. So yesterday, I, I, I was not feeling too well. I don't know. Even though I was pretty excited in the morning when I started. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but my energy kind of just faded. <laughs> kind of just evaporated. And I um, just didn't didn't feel, I don't know. I guess like I was making progress or or what. So I just did a little bit, you know, did a little bit of working on um working on uh I'm not sure how much I told already about this. So I'm working on an EQ. Yeah, I mentioned that before. Yeah, yeah. So I just did a little bit of that EQ project um creating a a portal or whatever. Um and then I wanted to work on a Debbie's um my apprenticeship you know type of tool I guess <laughs> I'm not sure what I can say about that still stealth mode um but yeah I, I tried to work on that but then like I said my, my energy levels kind of just evaporated so uh I ended up what did I do for most of the day I forget <laughs> um but near the end of the day after I got a little bit of work done, at least you know, just just enough so I could feel like I did something that day, I went ahead and started playing Valheim. All right, so I've talked about Valheim a lot, and it's for good reason. It's a great game, but I've been specifically I've been building a house, but I tried building my own house like twice already, and it's, it's not it, it was not the move. So I started copying um, this house I saw online. This YouTube channel called Vet Life, V E T L I V E. Highly suggest checking it, checking it out. Even if you don't play Valheim, just watch the way he puts together the videos is very relaxing, very inspirational, very cool. <laughs> it just shows like him building houses or them, you know, building houses um, and structures in, in this game. And it's set to a like a, it's usually set to a nice, you know, relaxing track, music track, and stuff like that. Um, environmental sounds and it's just it's just really nice so highly suggest checking that out even if you don't play the game but i i figured you know i I should probably copy some some of these buildings some of these constructions it it would teach me how to build (laughs) better in value as well as you know just give me a a good jumping off point rather than trying to come up with the masterpiece house from scratch and and then i don't end up making it and i get you know (laughs) i get frustrated with myself because that happens all the freaking time and what's interesting about that for me is that i knew logically i knew that copying things is a good way of practicing right like whenever you're doing a new craft you, you you can't learn all the theories or even if you do learn the theories you can't really do anything with them right you can't create anything from scratch yet right you just don't have that skill level you don't have the muscle memory and the knowledge of how to apply it right and so that's why so many artists and creators and so on and so forth just copy right just copy other other people and for a long 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 time <laughs> i never want to do that I was I was just too prideful, too ego egotistical about it. I was too, you know, I was like, oh no, I don't want to copy. I want to be original, right? I don't want to, <laughs> right? That's my that was my thoughts on that for a very long time, and it's unfortunate because I probably would have been way better in a lot of different things if I just 
sucked it up and copied people <laughs> just to learn like the basics and learn how to do it right so i started doing that with valheem and lo and behold you know it's been a great 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 way of learning learning how to apply the principles um of, of construction and, and putting things together um not only in this game but in general right like putting down the frameworks first and then going off of that right like i <laughs> even though i again i logically knew that you should probably do like blueprints you know outline and then go above that go above that but in most in most of my things that i've done outside of writing like the only place i do that is with writing where i you know quickly jot down some ideas make an outline and flesh it out and so on and so forth this um i, I kind of learned how to do that with writing but in other areas you know in other where i'm trying to create things i don't do that because i'm too prideful I'm, i was too ambitious too you know impatient but creating you know that that stuff in valheim really made me appreciate that that um model right of creating the outline creating the the uh framework of what you're building and then filling it in right and adding more and more details on on each pass through because what i learned is that when you create the schematics when you create the the outline the framework first you have a better idea of what what the overall building or what the overall construction will look like right like me <laughs> before i would try to start with like I would have a picture of the whole thing in my mind and then try to build towards that picture going one room at a time or, or one part at a time and stuff like that. And unfortunately, it's there's a number of problems with that. Number one, it's really hard to keep stuff in your mind. Even if you're really good at spatial awareness and visuals, like holding imagery in your mind, right? That me mental image. I'm not, um, what, what's the word for it? There's people who can... Who have like oh yeah basically photographic memory i'm trying to look up the fancy word but i don't have a photographic memory but i do have very i do have high levels of spatial awareness and um imagery but even even then like it's still hard to keep that image in your mind so that's number one number two is is a you can see like i said the, the overall structure and that's important because you can test you can iterate you can get an idea of, of how, how much space you need you know um if you think it's going to be enough space it, does it look right um you know even before you get all the details before you get all the walls and all the other stuff in there right so in the game Valheim, in his videos he builds out the the foundation first right he puts the outline of where the house is going to be and then you know puts up you know the walls or rather the beams of where the walls are going to be and then just from that alone you can get a very clear idea of how big the house is going to be you know what the general shape of the rooms are going to be you know um, how much space is taking up uh so on and so forth and that was very powerful for me because i was like oh wow duh like duh <laughs> like i i and I purposely built it right next to my old house that I was trying to build. Literally right next to it. <laughs> so I can see very, very clearly the difference between, you know, starting with these outlines and, and frameworks versus uh, trying to build the whole thing up from scratch with no, like, general idea of what exactly I'm building. And the, the, the differences are striking, right? Um, so I'm, I'm all for this. I'm going to do more of that. And... So last night, it's, it's funny because I spent like, I, I probably started the game around playing around 8 or 9 o'clock or something like that. And I didn't get off until 5 in the morning. 
Like, I didn't even notice how much time I was playing. I was like, you know, just, just let me do one more piece. Let me let me add the roof in. Let me add the roof. Let me, okay, let me add the, the, the third floor. All right, let me, <laughs> the game is just so great because of that. And um, that's the sort of thing I've been chasing after, right? Trying to get into that flow state, trying to get into that focus and that, um, that seeing your progress on a regular basis and not, not really being too worried about, you know, all the, all the problems associated because another thing I learned, and it was f- funny because I was listening to Transcend, you know, S.B. Kaufman's book at the same time, you know, the audiobook, And that was great because I, I was like listening. I was able to make more progress with that book because usually I just read. Um, I do like audiobooks, but I haven't been able to do them recently. And furthermore, I had this worry that if I'm not concentrating fully, focusing on the book, I'm not going to retain it. And and some of that is true. But but um there's still something to be said for like listening to it passively while you're doing something else, especially if it's not super demanding. So it doesn't take all my focus. So I could I could still pick up a lot and I'm still going to read it over again. Right. And that's 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 a huge thing for me to say, because I almost never reread things. <laughs> but I'm probably I'm definitely going to read it, reread it because I know I didn't retain everything, but I did pick up quite a lot. So I got from I, yesterday. I was like at chapter one. Today I'm on like chapter six. Right, <laughs> so almost done with the book. Um, so a couple of things he mentioned in there that I remember as I was building was uh, there's a lot of things I remember actually, but <laughs> that I actually want to talk about right now in relation to the building. Let me see. Um, so when I was building it out, I, there was there was this part where he was talking about how self-actualized people. You know, people who experience some transcendence who are reaching their full potential and stuff like that, right? It's not like they're superhuman. It's not like they're perfect or anything like that. It's just that they are able to deal with situations as they occur, you know, without like wigging out, without, um, without being kind of, you know, having those bad kind of reactions where they're not... It depends on the situation. That's why I'm struggling here. But they're not basically negative. They don't jump to conclusions. They don't have high levels of anxiety and depression and all this other stuff, right? They're able to manage the same stressful situations better than the person who is not self-actualized, right? And that was a very powerful point because as I was going through the, uh, as I was building this this house, right? Now the usual thing is to do all your wood cutting first. All right. So in this game, for those who don't know about Vahim, you have to cut all your you have to basically it's just a survival game. Right. So you have to get all the resources for yourself. You can't just magically create things out of thin air um, in the regular mode. You have to go to the creative mode or like, you know, use cheat codes or whatever for that. But I don't do that because, again, pride. <laughs> but um, anyways, like you have to like get all the wood. Right. So you have to constantly cut down trees and you can you can only carry up to like 300 pounds. So that's like two and a half stacks of wood. It's not a lot. It is not a lot. Only two and a half stacks of wood. All right. So wood is like 50, um, 50, 50 pieces of wood is in one stack. So it's roughly, you know, 100, 125 uh, um, pieces of wood that you can carry at one time. Um, if you still want to like hold all your weapons, which you kind of need. I'm, I'm going to get to that in a second. And um, so you have to chop down these trees, pick, get the wood, right? And while you're chopping down trees, you have to be careful because you can, 
you can kill yourself with these freaking trees. Like, you chop them down and they fall. They don't, they're not like these other games, MMO games or whatever, where it just disappears and turns into, you know, Kindle. No, no. Like, you chop it, and then after, like, a couple hits, the whole thing falls. Like, the whole tree falls down. And it hits other trees. It hits other things. It rolls down hills and all this stuff. So, it's, you know, physics enabled. And if you're sitting right there in the way, you get hit and you can die. Like, I've died... <laughs> Not not too many times, but I died like once or twice from from getting hit by a tree. Um, and then at the same time, there's there's mobs, there's enemies, there's monsters in the woods, right? Um, so my my location I picked is on the beach. It's next to like the the, the water. Um, it's between the meadows and the black forest. So the meadows is the, is like the, the level one place that you start with. There's not too many play, enemies around there. There's just like these little graylings that you can you know you can destroy with like one hit one good hit (laughs) um there's boars and there's deer that's about it but the black forest oh my gosh the black forest has these gray dwarfs that are annoying they're they're you can probably take them out in like two to three hits but they they if they hit you it kind of hurts a little bit um especially because i haven't i haven't bothered (laughs) I've only beat the first boss. There's five bosses, all right? Most people have finished the game by now, but i I just been too busy trying to build stuff. <laughs> so I only beat the first boss. I only have troll hide armor, um, like just leveled up from leather. And uh, it's not super powerful, right? Like I'm not, I'm not OP or anything like that. So I can die by a couple hits, especially because I don't usually, you know, bother with trying to stock up on, on materials, like on, on food, right because it's a survival game so you have to eat in order to gain your health um you can you you have a baseline health like you have like 25 hit points um before you get to like even without eating anything but and if you want to heal or if you want to get beyond that you know you can you can eat stuff like berries um cook some meat uh get some honey stuff like that right so me being lazy and kind (laughs) of right like i don't i don't stock up on these on these food stuffs so i usually sitting at 25 health i might pick up a berry every now and then and i ha- and i go up to like 30 you know 40 health or something like that but so but these gray dwarfs they swarm you so it's not just one it's almost always at least two and is uh, and um uh, it often is like up to like five or six so these things will swarm you. They will surround you and, and beat you beat you up. So if you don't move, if, if you don't take them out, you're you're done. And then they have a whole like they have a whole bunch of them. So there's different kinds. There's a regular gray dwarfs, and then these these um, red gray dwarfs, a little bit more powerful. And then there's these brutes, which can one hit you if you if you're low on health. Or there's shamans. These freaking shamans will will give you damage over time, like poison, and they can heal their own dwarfs right they're 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 guys and then at the same time there's also freaking giant trolls these giant trolls that will literally one hit ko you if you don't have high enough health right even if you have like 80 health two hits you're done right and usually the trolls will be around the same areas as the gray dwarfs so i would like my house is right there on the edge of the black forest so i often have to you know contend with these gray dwarfs and and trolls luckily i built i I spent some time to build a really nasty but um like a really rough but but decent like moat so they can't swarm my camp too easily um but yeah like so every time i go out to chop some wood i have to deal with fighting these gray dwarfs i have to deal with 
only having a limited amount of wood and then you know running all the way back and building building the next you know couple a couple things like you can you can build a decent amount with 100 over 100 wood like i usually like build out for instance no it's not well it's not that much but it's it's constant back and forth it's constant back and forth right but the point <laughs> i went way off way off in, into details here but the point of saying all that is because it's hard right it's not easy it's not easy. Even though I have the blueprints of what I want to build, I'm looking at this thing that I want to build. I know exactly where I need to go to get the wood. It's not easy. I have to constantly fight these things. I have to put, you know, it's constant back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I die stupid reasons. Like I would, I died like three times for falling, <laughs> for freaking falling off of my own house that I'm trying to build because my, I didn't build the right type of scaffolding or I didn't pay attention to that too much. So I would die from that. You know, I would die from, um, whenever I have to go, I didn't build a bridge, so I, I sometimes I fall into my own moat if I don't pay attention, right? So it's not easy. There's constant things that's, that's going wrong, but I keep going, right? And it's it's not it's not a drain, right? It's it's still fun. I'm I was still sitting there for five, six, seven hours doing this thing, right? And that's the type of experience that I think is 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 what you know self actualized people experience in life. Right. Where you have all these things, you have all these barriers, you have the same types of problems that other people have, but you have this internal drive to want to go over it, and you have the tools necessary to go over it. Right. You still are. You still can can do it. Right. Um, you have your basic needs met. You have your you have your um, a sense of sense of self-esteem, a sense of connection with other people. Uh, which which inspires you to keep going. You have a sense of love of being. He talks about you know the sense of being uh, love is is really powerful because you don't you don't depend on other people for like your your self esteem and stuff like that, right? Like you're you're not needs based. Like when you like, ah, I wish I, I would have highlighted this is one reason why I like reading it myself. But um, he said something where, you know, when people are in love, there's a difference between needing somebody and then loving them versus loving them and so needing them, right? I'm not saying that super well, but basically he's saying that is when you love someone or some or some other group of people or idea or whatever, right? You're not doing it because you literally need it, right? You're not needy in order to do so. You love it. And, and so you want more of it Like you want to bring it into your life You want to help them more right? So it comes from a sense of it's a di- That's the difference between Going from a sense of growth um, Or deficiency if, you're, if your love or anything Or your drive Or your, like your, if your drive for achievement If your love for other people If your, um, your, your, want, your desires are driven by some need right? Then it's deficiency based and so that that with that comes narcissism with that comes comes abusiveness with that comes all sorts of things but if your if your love or, or your 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 growth your um wants and desires your goals comes from a sense of uh growth i said that already sorry <laughs> but if it comes from a sense of growth then you're always going to be looking at how how do i how do i improve how do i keep going how do i you know um serve right and um, that's kind of the 
I guess the metaphor I got while I was playing this game and it just felt very appropriate to me because you know <laughs> when when my um I'm playing the game through a through shadow through the shadow debt PC type of it's like a streaming service because I, I only have a MacBook Air so I can't like I can't actually download the game <laughs> at the this the shadow um, streaming service allows me to um to stream like a Windows desktop a Windows gaming desktop remotely and sometimes it, if it doesn't work it would it would like have a lot of problems it would have a lot of uh, Wi-Fi like you know lag and stuff like that. And that was actually one of my biggest problems within the beginning. Um, I'm not sure if it was my Wi-Fi that day or or what, but the connection dropped. Like when I was in the beginning of the game, when I was just setting out and starting to sail the ocean and all this other stuff. And um, or no, no, I wasn't even there yet. I think I was. I, yeah, I was just starting out. I was exploring the Black Forest and stuff like that. Um, had all my materials, didn't have any backups, and then the connection dropped, and all my stuff. Um, like when you die, all your stuff is 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 um, left where you died, and so when my connection dropped, I guess it, I guess it thought I died basically, and and uh, what's worse is that it didn't drop it where I was at at the time. Something crazy happened, and my 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 body with all my stuff, right, somehow teleported almost to the, like far off the coast. Like off the coast, and at that point, I didn't. I never even been that far, right? Like I had, I haven't been to the ocean. I never built a boat, or anything like that. So I was like, "What? How? How in the world I'm gonna get all that stuff back?" And like I said in the beginning, I didn't have any backups, right? So it's a survival game. So think about it. Like I, I built up, you know, the this this deer hide armor. This, um, no, no, not deer hide. Um, yeah, I think it was leather. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I had troll armor at the time. I don't think so. But still, I went. When you start in the game, you have nothing. You have no armor. You just you're basically naked. You have no tools. You have to build all that up, right? And so, in the beginning, you know that's all I had. Everything I had was was there. And it's, when the, when the game went out, all that stuff was gone. And so I had to start from scratch in order to you know go back and get my stuff. And I was like, oh my! I didn't want to play the game for like a, a couple weeks. Right, because I was just so messed up, and that that same idea, that fragility, right in my security, is exactly the type of things that um, S. B. Kaufman talks about in his book, where if your sense of achievement, if your sense of purpose, if your sense of of um, accomplishments, right, of respect and self-esteem and all that, is built upon a inherently deficient or scarce, you know, uh, foundation. Then when something happens, when something happens, and something always does happen, you're done. Like you, 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 <laughs> like all of your your respect, your self esteem, your achievements can be gone and blown in the wind, right? And with it goes your 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 um, confidence, right? This is why so many people are inherently insecure because as, uh, they know that. It, or maybe they don't know, but they might have a feeling that if something happens, like all that stuff is, is gone. But when you're self-actualized, it's, it's like being prepared. It's like knowing how to, you know, respond and, and, and you know, get, get back out there when uh, something bad happens. So in this case, being self-actualized would have meant, you know, 
uh, knowing to make some backups, <laughs> you know, putting all my stuff in a different area, having two, having um, two, maybe even three copies of all my materials. So even if I died, I can just, you know, get right back to to it. Right. Without any much problems. Um, likewise, when you're in life, right, you need to have some sense of preparation. You need to know how to respond to these situations. He says in a book. In the sailboat model, right, we all are on a boat. And no matter how self-actualized you are, you always will experience waves, right? We're on this boat in the sea, the sea of the unknown. There's always things that are going to be happening. You have these waves, these tidal waves or storms or whatever, right? But a secure person, a growth-oriented person, will know that when those waves come, you know, you, you, bat, you, you, ha- you batten down. You, they know what to do, basically. They know how to respond. They know how to save themselves they know how to secure themselves they know how to um get back out there after the wave is gone after the storm is gone but an insecure person does not and so they respond accordingly right they either strike out in fear or they um they reclude into themselves so it's it's like oh my gosh it's so it's so much in this book that's like really incredible and all of it is backed up by psych um, not just um, psychological, but physiological um, and uh, what do you call it? Um, also, so data science, even cybernetics, right? Like by data, it's backed up by research and data across a, a number of you know platform. I mean, across a number of industries, and um, it's it's just amazing, right? It's just amazing. So yeah, I learned a lot, I'm learning a lot. So yeah, that's that's basically what I wanted to talk about this morning <laughs> but real quick just to cover my other bases of, of other things that's been happening um, I want to talk about Montero Lil Nas X he's absolutely awesome like every time this dude comes out with a new video or a new version of his song I'm just like yes yes give me more <laughs> this is absolutely fantastic he made he made an acapella version of his song um, Call Me By Your Name and I've been listening to that like all freaking morning uh, dancing and all that stuff and it's just it's just op- absolutely phenomenal right and um i'm excited for that listen to that and as well some this other video uh um debbie has of she's going to make a new intro for her uh, delta cx channel and she she has this this artist my name is his name is uh toe hider i think <laughs> t-o-e-h-i-d-e-r um he's basically a he's He's a power metal instrument. I think it might be a band. I'm not sure if it's just one person. It might be a band. But they're they're um they're power metal artists. And I love power metal. It's absolutely fantastic. It's if you if you heard like Power Rangers, you know it's it sorta of kinda of sounds like that, but I would say better. Um right now I mostly listen to like Glory Hammer. Um but now he's also on my list. There's a couple other people too, but that's I don't I don't like following them super much. But yeah, power metal is super awesome. So music is so fantastic, and uh, that's an underrated kind of thing. Even though it, it has, don't get me wrong, a lot of people talk about music a lot and love music and all this stuff. But I still think it's underrated. Like it's still underrated after all these years and millennia of making music. We as humans still underrate music, <laughs> right? Because it, it just has a way of of motivating and inspiring and and sending messages and and all this stuff that is that is undervalued rather maybe it's not underrated but it is undervalued right and the fact that many artists can't really 
make a make a um a life for themselves just by making good music is kind of is really messed up so that's that's one thing that's always in the back of my mind i'm always thinking about you know how can i help with that because i think that's a major problem to be solved eventually one of these days and companies like spotify is definitely not solving it they're oftentimes making it worse (laughs) um but yeah i think that's that's that might be it in terms of what's been on my mind this morning um i think there's some other things i'm not i'm missing oh yeah 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 yeah. so uh debbie again once again she's just such a great person but she made an article talking about the future of ux and cx and she was talking about how (laughs) she predicts in two years that you know as so a little bit of background first um she points this out in her in her article too where we have this really bad problem in the designer community right now where a lot of companies i would say most companies are hiring people who have no like foundational human-centered design skills or knowledge right and a lot of those they hire people that are just mostly around visual design around being productive and taking orders and saying hey i want to i want to design this you know pixel pushers like create this thing and put it out there like they don't do testing they don't do research they just make things pretty and they think and people think that's what design is furthermore it gets even worse where we're people are trying to democratize design where they're trying to say oh design thinking and design by committee and and stuff like that and it, to the uninitiated to me like when i was you know first learning this stuff it sounded good i was like yes bring people in like it should be good to collaborate and 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 show people how how things work and 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 be inclusive and all this stuff but what actually happens right as oftentimes do, do with good intention stuff that that are not based in real reality <laughs> is that these things just g- get really corrupted where you say, oh, yes, we want to be inclusive. We want to collaborate with people. We want to make sure people are informed about the design process. And what actually happens is you don't actually pay attention to what you want to accomplish, right? To being user-centered, customer-centric. What happens in a lot of these companies and, and committees and all this other stuff is that they're listening to the, the, the hippos, the highest-paid people in the room, Right? They listen to their opinions to say, oh, yes, this is what I want to build. I want to, you know, increase conversions or this, that, the other, put the button here, you know, whatever, this, that, and the other. And it's just, it's, it's almost always based on ego. It's almost always based on some um, mis- misguided thought of what is profitable rather than what is actually good for the user, than what actually, what the people want, right? People claim they, they, they know what the user wants. Like, oh, we know, we know our customers, <laughs> but they don't do research. So how can you say you know your customer, your users, if you actually haven't talked to them? And the fact that a lot of people, a lot of these companies have customer service, like a huge, like a huge customer service area. Like the fact that you even have a customer service, you know, portion that's separate from the rest of your team and, and very often is paid less shows that these people don't care about their customers. Because if they do, if they did, then it would be building tools that are so intuitive, that are so easy to use for these customers that you wouldn't even need customer service people, right? And the customer service would be more uh, aligned around research. It'll be more aligned about 
you know, um, maybe maybe technical bugs or something like that, right? <laughs> Oftentimes, a lot of customer service um, problems are due to a failure of design, right? Yes, yes, you do have these um, need for bug reports, and, and yes, that is important. But the fact is that a lot of times, you know, and, and I say this as a person who's worked in, in uh, customer service related industries, um, technical support and stuff like that, like a lot of these, you know, issues are, are a problem of design. Like the tool itself was designed wrong so that people don't understand how to use it. And if your own users need help to understand how to use your tool, then you haven't built a good tool. You haven't designed a good tool. But so many people are like, oh, yes, we, we know what people want. Design this, you know, create this wireframe, create this prototype, you know, produce this, that, and the other. And they do no research. They do no testing. And so they, they constantly release crap that doesn't really work. But they can get away with it because scale, right? If you reach enough people <laughs> through sheer scale, you can, you can often achieve some level of success. And unfortunately, that's the sad truth, which is, which explains why we still have so many bad tools and so many people who hire designers, bad designers and visual designers only. Right. So she points out that um, a lot of these companies and corporate organizations are going to keep hiring for visual designers because it's very we have aesthetic bias. Right. We have an aesthetic bias where people look at pretty things and think that's a good thing. Right. They, they think that something that's pretty is the same thing as something that is good, that is professional, that is, you know, user centric, that is intuitive. And so they hire these people. And furthermore, they don't have a design centered approach. They have an engineering centric um, culture and a marketing centric culture where people are worried about, you know, move fast, break things. Right. <laughs> Famous Facebook thing. Move fast, break things. But that idea is is counterintuitive to the whole, not counterintuitive, but counter and truly against you being user centric, being human centric. Because think about it. If you move fast, break things, you end (laughs) you end up creating things that people don't like, that people have to suffer through. If you really want to move fast, then you should be thinking about how do I do more research? How do I do more usability testing? Because then you can test things, you can move fast and see if your designs make any sense before engineering has to spend a whole bunch of time and money building it out. And that's a fundamental problem that people don't understand. They think they can build it out and then, you know, build, measure, learn, right? They think they can build it out first and then measure and learn. But you don't want to build the whole thing out. That's a huge waste of money and resources, right? If you can test a prototype a prototype is not a coded you know um mvp a prototype is a clickable you know interactive it doesn't even have to be fully interactive really this it's all levels of it but you it can be low fidelity meaning it doesn't have to be coded like it doesn't have to be um like you don't need an engineer to build a prototype if you think you need an engineer to build a prototype you probably don't have good designers and you don't know anything about design and that's hard for me to say because as a person who thought, you know, building prototypes meant learning to code, I had to had to relearn that myself. So I'm not saying that as a person who who you know doesn't know who's just talking at his butt. Like this is a per like I've been trying to build prototypes for years, 
And I thought I had to learn how to code in order to do it. But it turns out, no, you don't. <laughs> you learn design. You design something. No, first of all, you research. <laughs> and that will, that will inform what you should design in the first place. So already you filtered out a lot of the bullcrap ideas. The ideas that sound good, but in actuality don't make sense for users. Or are not feasible, right? Or don't solve the problem. So already that research filters out a lot of the um, issues. And then, once you have a good idea, idea, idea of what you need to design, you design it. With different levels of fidelity. You do low farm, you can do sketches. You do low, low fidelity, you can do um, high fidelity, you can do interactive prototypes. Right? Clickable. And once you get to that part, you, you do some usability testing. And that will give you a way better idea of what to actually build and what to send to engineering, to code. And I'm going way off the <laughs> way, way out there, but to get back to Debbie's article, she talks about how, you know, because all these cultures, all these companies have bad cultures where they're not fostering good design, where they don't care about research or usability testing or anything like that, then all the good designers are going to leave. They're going to be sick and tired of of trying to, you know, fight for the user, fight for the customer. You shouldn't have to fight for the customer. That's that's the whole point of the business. The whole point of the business is to give customers what they want, what they need. If you constantly have to fight for that, then it's not a good business. And so a lot of designers are going to leave. They're going to go to their own consultancy or agencies. And that's where all a lot of the good um, designers are going to be. They might call themselves CXers, you know, customer experience people, customer centric researchers, architects, so on and so forth, right? So these corporate organizations are going to keep hiring these visual designers, and they're going to realize that yes, they can't. They have some pretty wireframes and this, that, and the other, but they're not solving their problems, and so they're going to have to reach out to these agencies in order to solve their problems. <laughs> and that's where a lot of the mid-level and senior-level designers are going to come from, these agencies. Not even the big-name agencies, because they have their own problems where they'd be, they'd be all too happy to give you um, pretty wireframes and not do any research because they can make a whole lot of money <laughs> just, just giving you what you asked for rather than giving you what you needed. Right? So... A lot of these, you know, agencies, these small agencies and stuff like that, that's going to be where a lot of the mid to um, higher level designers are. And it's going to it's probably going to stay like that until companies start realizing that visual design does not make for good design. Design is not about art. Design is not about just producing things, making wireframes and, and personas. Right. It's about research. It's about understanding people. It's about psychology sociology, ethics, and, and, and learning how to put that into a business context. So yeah, um, that was great reading that on Debbie's article. Um, I am still like, on one side that, that frustrates me because, you know, I would love to like work with one of these cool companies, but that's, that's something I realized. Like, as I've been, I haven't really applied to many jobs, even though I kind of should. Right, I haven't really applied to many jobs because so many of them are like, "Oh, we want visual designers, we want this, that, and the other," and it's just like it's not really focused on anything. And, and just a brief aside, real quick, it's not like visual design itself is bad, right? Debbie points this out too. Like, you can have customer-centric visual designers, but they too 
do research. They too know psychology. They know not to to be accessible, right? To not just create some cool, um, some cool looking color palettes. They know to not not to just jump on the latest trend of like new morphism and glass morphism and stuff like that. Things that are not accessible, even though they may look kind of cool, like they they're still not accessible. They don't work in the real world. They're not just dribble dribble like. <laughs> Uh, headshots or whatever or um, but you get it right actual visual designers do research where they understand what their um, users want and need you know how to how to choose typography and iconography and color palettes based on accessibility needs based on you know the needs of the product based on psychology based on gestalt principles so on and so forth they don't just create pretty things they don't create art they create good design right <laughs> so that's that's the same like visual artists are, are the same type of people with just the same trend right it's, it's about it's about being strategic versus being just a, a an order taker being just a random pixel pusher right it's, it's knowing how to implement things once again like i said before it's like psychology ethics all this stuff into your um, business rather than just doing what what whatever the most egotistical person in the room wants or listen to your own ego if you're the if you're that person so anyways yeah 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 that was a great article um and though it frustrates me that a lot of companies that's it's this that a lot of companies are not hiring for good design and they don't have a good culture they don't have a high ux maturity level i feel a little bit lucky because i am <laughs> you know a part of these two different agencies with who really value UX and are found foundationally, you know, around that that principle. So it's not consistent for me yet. Like I'm not, you know, making making uh, a lot of money, you know, working here. Yeah, it's mostly part time and and uh, opportunity based, project based. But you know, I, I think this is where I like to stick stick with it, even though it's not consistent yet. I think it'll be a good place to stick with because it, it's going to be the best place for me to grow as a designer. And um, I just have to have patience. So, yeah, that's it for real. <laughs> Thanks, as always, for listening. Let me know what you what you think about any of this stuff. And uh, have a good day. See you. Bye-bye.